Now, baby, tell me, what is so wonderful about smoking? Everything. I like the way a fresh, firm pack feels in my hand. I like peeling away that little piece of cellophane and seeing a twinkle in the light. Coaxing that first sweet cylinder out of its hiding place and bringing it slowly up to my lips. Striking a match, watching it burst into a perfect little flame and knowing that soon that flame will be inside me. <laughs> I love the first puff, pulling it into my lungs. Little fingers of smoke filling me, caressing me. Feeling that warmth penetrate deeper and deeper till I think I'm going to burst then whoosh, watching it flow out of me in a lovely sinuous cloud. No two ever quite the same. Now, how many people think that if they're smokers? But they do do something else. If you're a smoker and you're trying to quit, you do you uh, excuse me if you're having difficulties quitting it's because you have a series of images of thoughts of experiences with smoking that make smoking a value you might see it as a stress reliever you might see it as sexy the way this woman's doing on Fraser this is from uh, a cut from Fraser it may be that you see it as defiance that you can't tell me what to do to maybe a family member who's telling you to stop smoking and to be able to look at all all those individual thoughts and the feelings associated with them and to be able to look carefully at them, put them in a bigger context, a bigger perspective where you see that it isn't a value to you, even though you experience it as a value in the bigger picture, if you want to quit smoking, it isn't a value. You need to be able to do that work to convince yourself that all those values are actually not values to you. And that takes change. And I recommend a book, Changing for Good, which is on my website, drkenner.com, D-R-K-E-N-N-E-R.com. And I am Dr. Ellen Kenner. My show is The Rational Basis of Happiness. And I'm a clinical psychologist. I'm here to answer your questions with any problems you're having with family members, your kids, your husband, your wife, your in-laws. You Maybe you're the caretaker of an aging parent, and that's causing you a lot of... Um, a sleepless night, or maybe it's a problem with yourself. Right now, I want to turn to the phones and welcome Amanda. Amanda, your kids fight. Yes, they do. Yeah, what's going on there? Uh, I have four small children, and they all fight with each other. And four I, four yeah. children? Are they all yours, or are they adopted? They're all mine. And no <laughs> twins? I have one set of twins. One set of twins. How old? They're 16 months. Oh, my gosh, you are so busy. I am. And then I have an 8-year-old and a 3-year-old, and they okay. all fight. <laughs> okay. And when you say they, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, okay, so tell me, can you give me a picture of a recent fight that they had that just drove you up a wall? Yes. The 8- and 3-year-old start maybe roughhousing for fun, and then it escalates into where somebody's getting hurt. And... That's kind of what they do on a daily basis. And um, what, when you tell me it escalates, is the 8-year-old a boy or a girl? A boy. A and boy. then the 3-year-old is a girl. And tell me how it, uh, tell me when they're having fun, what do you hear, what do you see? They'll start by like maybe jumping on each other. And then... So the 8-year-old um, has an advantage there. Yeah, so the 3-year-old will jump on the 8-year-old. Oh, okay. And the 8-year-old, he'll play back with her and 
and say, okay, you know, jump on me, or they'll they'll be playing around. And then I think he gets a little aggravated and then yeah. wants her to stop, but she's kind of overexcited. Yeah. And then he starts, like, hurting her back to get her to stop. How does he hurt? Uh, he'll, like, hit her, like, slap her, or, like, kick her. Not, I mean, he's a nice boy, not, like, severely aggressive, maybe just a little bit. He knows that she's a baby. Yeah. But, um, and then she goes back <laughs> and hits him. So I, I don't know. Okay, so, so but it, this is really interesting because <laughs> it starts playfully. You can see that they value each other. They, yeah. They're like puppy dogs playing with one another, or little kittens playing with one another, and then one of them gets a little too rambunctious, yeah. and the other one says, hey, I have boundaries here, but the one that w- wants the boundaries doesn't know how to appropriately communicate it to the little one, the three-year-old or puppy dogs yeah. and whichever uh, imagery you want and so he needs more skills okay what do you and we'll come back to that in a minute what do you typically do that obviously isn't working otherwise you wouldn't be making the phone call (laughs) usually I say you know you guys stop like continuously and then also you don't eat then you know your sister she's she's a baby you know she doesn't understand and you're bigger than her you should be nicer I usually just try to talk to him I've tried time out one time and he was just like mom I'm too big for this oh that's so cute <laughs> okay so he said what um, I do want to mention something right up front which is that I think you're doing something really good and that's that even though he's um what what is he doing uh hitting or kicking a little bit yeah. you know, to get her to stop, and yeah. she's reciprocating. You're seeing him as essentially a really good kid. You yeah. said he's a nice boy. He's not aggressive. So this is not the norm. You want to hold that context because your image of him will play out in the way you treat him. And if you see him as essentially a nice boy, you're much more likely to... Um, to be more resourceful in finding ways to help communicate, to work with him, to have the skills to get the three-year-old to um, to slow down a bit. Okay. So uh, let's go back to, so I wanted to say that because when you cast your kid in a bad role, if he's always a bratty kid, he's just like my brother, forget it, you're lost. <laughs> Because for the rest of your life, you see that kid, your own child is like your own bratty brother. How are you going to break out of that one unless you do the thinking work? So he's a good kid. You've got two good kids. They're playful. They're like little kittens or puppies. And he needs skills. You can work with him. He's eight years old. Timeout didn't work. And I think that's a cute example of, hey, mom, too old for this. You know, it's like he's educating you. So and it doesn't work because you think kids are sitting in the corner saying, Oh, let me think about the bad thing I did and come up with a better way to deal with it. Instead, they're usually saying, Mommy's mean. She put me in a corner. What? When's my time up? Right. So um, let's, in the last minute or so, let's just talk about what would be a better way to address this with him. It, before they start roughhousing again, you don't do it when they're roughhousing. What might you say that might potentially reach him? 
before they start roughhousing. Yeah, because you know what, we're, we're so short on time that let me just give Absolutely. you some tips. If you lecture him, he's going to feel guilty. She's a little okay. one. If you present it as a problem, and he's a detective or he's a scientist trying to solve a problem, it's like, hey, we got a problem here. What ideas do you have? You know, your sister gets a little rambunctious and you both like it, and then there's a time when you don't like it. Can you come? Can, let's brainstorm. Let's come up with some ideas where you might be able to stop her without the hitting and without the whatever because you don't like me yelling at you and I don't like hearing the you don't like her jumping on you so let's come up with a few ideas and maybe we'll come you maybe you'll come up with something or I'll come up with something that you like that you could try okay and so then you might come up with holding up a funny sign or holding up a stuffed animal that just signals to her, hey, it's time to stop. Okay. And it would be a fun way to just, for him to be able to let her know that she needs to wind down. And he may need to give her a minute to wind down because none of us stop immediately. If someone okay. says to me, Ellen, stop laughing. Mm-hmm. I can't stop laughing right away. I need a moment to kind of calm down. Okay. So he might need to, before he gets to the to his most irritated moment, he may need to give her a heads up. Okay. So there's a wonderful book. Go to my website, How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen to Ki- So Kids Will Talk. My website is drkenner.com, Amanda. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, thank you. And okay. I enjoy your kittens or your puppy okay. dogs. Okay, the All kids. Right, bye-bye. And bye-bye. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner on The Rational Basis of Happiness. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance, the serious romance guidebook by Drs. Kenner and Locke. Here's an example of how gender differences can cause conflict. Jeffrey loved Cindy, but he was frustrated with her. When she would relate a bad experience with her family or boss, why didn't she take his advice? And she was always trying to pry him open, asking him how his day went what he was thinking, what he felt about this or that, things he never thought much about or even felt compelled to think about. He felt more at home with the guys on the basketball court where there was no pressure to talk or analyze everything. He felt drained by Cindy's conversations about their relationship. How would they address this common pattern among partners? Cindy would need to learn to be clear about what she needs and Jeffrey could learn how to be a sympathetic listener. You can download Chapter 1 for free by going to drkenner.com and buy it at amazon.com.